0: hello and welcome to the winging it travel podcast this is a travel podcast where we we'll are having conversations with new guests every monday this is an anecdotal informative podcast for backpackers travelers or anyone who's interested in travel it's a casual style where there'll be stories to tell tips to share and experiences to inspire my name is james hammond i've traveled to 50 countries done three work visas and planning to do a big worldwide trip Later this year, I have met so many people on my travels in the last 10 years that I just have to get them on this podcast to get their stories on record and provide some tips for you for your trip. There'll be so much travel content coming your way in the next coming weeks, months, and years that inspire you to book that trip that you've always wanted. Stay tuned for my weekly episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with David Musaraka of the podcast This Goose Is Cooked. Hello, David. Thank you for speaking with me today. Hope you're okay. Hi, Marv. Thanks for having me. Doing pretty well. That's good to know. That's great. And for those who are listening and can't see video, he is wearing absolutely top-class merch on his head with that uh, that baseball cap. Got to get the plug in, so. Haven't we all. <laughs> so your show then is about, you um, You look at children's books or books that are written for children. And um, so do you have any actual special memory yourself of uh, reading as a child? Uh, I do.
1: You know, I was read to a lot as a, a child. Great. So, um, I mean whether it was my parents or my mom reading to me just about every night. Um, I think the one that sticks out to me, though, when I was thinking about this is um, I would always, we would go over to my grandparents' house and uh, we would only visit them a couple of times a year. And when we got there, though, they had all my dad's old children's books and they would be in a little um, sort of side table. And it was like Christmas almost. You would kind of crawl over there or go over there and open it up and then all these old children's books would spill out and they had so many good ones from curious george to uh the little engine that could so that's i mean those were the best memories those old books and sitting down in my parents grandparents lap and just
0: uh hearing those time and time again so That's great. You've made me think of a memory when I was a kid now. It should really be about about you, this show, but you're bringing it out to me now. So um, where we lived before, where we are now, where we lived before, we moved there and and I was saying to Louise that when I was a child, I used to go to a school near to that town that we'd moved to, Newark-on-Trent in England. And um, back then they used to have a normal library and then they had about a mile further away, they had what was called a children's library for children to go to. So it was full of all young, all little books. And um, we, weren't far, we weren't living far away from where that used to be. And it actually became a hairdresser's, uh, a barber shop. So ultimately, whenever I went for a haircut, when we were living there, I would always go there. And I said to Louise that it reminded me that when I was a child, I used to go there to go and get books, and um, I have really fond memories of actually being in the back. Because in the back room of that children's library, there's like these little chairs that you, all this, these like little chairs or settees or all this furniture in the back where you just sit down, and I could. They didn't mind the fact that I could just sit there for two hours. It felt like. And I would just read cover to cover, you know, something like um, the Cat in the Hat, or some of these, or something by Enid Blyton, you know. Obviously, you know, um, and all these people. And I remember reading uh, T. S. Eliot to uh, T. S. Eliot. What is it? Um, Old Possum's Practical Cats. I think it's called, and it's a book of poems by T. S. Eliot about cats that are really funny and um, but i have these memories of reading these in the in the back of this um there's something incredible about memories of reading as a child
1: there really is i just uh, myself i would just get lost in the pictures and i could just sit there and stare at uh, the pictures they would spark whatever was going on in my imagination that day and it was it was yeah it's a great experience and i've I know what you're talking about with those little chairs and everything you can get you can get some work done as a child at those little desks and chairs and just uh go to town reading so
0: but i remember dr seuss being a particular favorite really because it's something about because of the way that he wrote um you know the incredible because it was always poetic it always rhymed but it wasn't always real english as well there were some made up words in there as well but it it, so it had fun in there. The the metre of it, how it was written as well, was perfect. And then the pictures that went with the writing as well fit perfectly with it. I mean, I know recently I heard a, um, heard a fact that him and Stan Lee from Marvel used to be in the same unit in the Armed Forces. So And then I thought, when I thought that, I thought, wow, two people that are really important to young kids you know with the comics and then with those books that they would go on such almost similar uh, sort of life lines in a way
1: that's crazy i had no clue to be <laughs> that would be fun to be a part of that unit it would but...
0: <laughs> did they actually get any work done or were they just there writing these incredible things that are still living, lasting to this day. Yep, yep. Wow. So do you st- this, this is a stupid question for anybody that's listening. This guy is sat in front of bookcases that are absolutely packed with all sorts of reading. So this is a redundant question to somebody who's looking at this, but do you still read a lot?
1: uh, only children's books. I'm glad the backdrop works really well. Um, it's completely fake, but it makes me look like I'm quite the, uh, reader of many leather bound books. Um, but mainly children's books today. I, I read several a day and then I choose one to review. Um, so cause the reason being is, is my sister has kids. Uh, uh, and some of my friends are becoming uh, parents themselves. So that's what I'm really around all the time is children and things like that. So I'm always checking out
0: children's books. So does uncle David go around to his sisters and read stories to the, to her, to his uh, nephews and nieces?
1: I do actually. So they, uh, except it gets a little tiring after you have to read the same book over about 10 times on repeat, uh, <laughs> But you
0: certainly perfect the characters, that's for sure I'm sure she probably prefers that to all the times That she's watched Frozen or something like that on DVD Yeah Absolutely So have you actually So it's just children's books You don't read any other books now I mean, or do you occasionally read Non-children related books Uh,
1: So when when I'm reading I, I stick to It's a long story and I can get into it for you Yep. But when I'm, when I'm reading, I stick to typically shorter uh, things, whether it be news bites or about sports or uh, anything topical for that day. Uh, growing up, I struggled in school. Okay. Uh, I struggled reading. It was discovered uh, around fourth grade uh, that I had an eye problem. It's a muscle or coordination problem. Yep. And so it's uh, stopped me from being able to really read long books. After about a couple of pages, my eyes get tired, and uh, they wear out. So it's always been a struggle for me to read uh, chapter books. Um, some, of, some loved ones even think I have a little bit of d- dyslexia thrown in there, too. Uh, so that's kind of why I've stuck to children's books. Um, and it's partly why I came up with the show as well, to kind of make fun of myself for struggling so much with uh, being able to read longer books. But being growing up, all my friends read plenty of books. They're were, they were, they were all readers. For whatever reason, I surrounded myself by readers. So I would always have them explain books to me, whether it be The Lord of the Rings, or now they've been reading Game of Thrones. They, they read every book you could possibly imagine, and they'll explain to me, hey, the movie's not like the book, and they'll give me the whole uh, rundown. So they've been kind of supportive in the process too. That's
0: okay. You don't need to read them now, do you?
1: No, no, no. When you have friends like that, you know, you can, you can pick up all the little uh, tidbits and minor little details
0: and act like you've read them. So. Well, I mean, if, if I'm being honest, um, Lord of the Rings, uh, I got so far through and then it, then, I have this problem where I, I got so far and then they suddenly mentioned something and that had happened. This thing that they, they were talking about had happened so far away back in the book. I'd completely forgotten what they were talking about, that that had happened earlier on. Cause I take a long time to read long time. Cause I haven't really got the time. So, I mean, I, I prefer shorter books personally as well. I don't, I don't see what the problem is with that and, you know, if if you want a longer book, you can always listen to the one on an audio book. I suppose. Exactly.
1: It's it's tough because a lot of people don't understand it. You know, and you're surrounded. And I totally agree. I mean, everybody should read. I I try to read up on as much as I can, um, but I do it to my abilities basically.
0: That's cool. So, have you actually got any favorite authors then that you like to read?
1: Um, you know, I, I joke. i I joke i like to say uh ayn rand because her novels are so long uh i actually had to for whatever reason in college i got the same book the fountainhead uh in two different classes i had to read it luckily the one class had me watch like the 1920s movie on it so that helped me greatly uh to pass both classes um I I also find it funny too, you know, in, in these times, most people they'll they'll say, Oh, it's it's uh like nineteen eighty four, George Orwell's nineteen eighty four. Well actually in I believe it was sixth grade, I my teacher read Animal Farm to me. Yeah. So I had I've had no clue what people were talking about with the nineteen eighty four thing. I was like, Oh, it's like Animal Farm. And then <laughs> I realized, no, wait, that's the the kids version. And uh 1984 is the, uh, is the adult one. So I I quickly picked that up. uh, And then I watched that movie as well. And uh, so now I'm up to date on that. But uh, as far as favorite authors go, um, another author that I might, uh, or I read quite a bit, did a bunch of book reports on was Gary Paulson, uh, The Hatchet. That was a great book. I think I did, did three or four children or three or four book reports on that one um and then moving down the line into the children's books uh there's quite a few you know we talked about uh dr seuss he he's a great one uh his imagination he's just a bit off like like you were saying with his uh writing but along with his pictures too they're just a little bit off and it's it really pairs well together um the uh, other one roger hargreaves the mr tickles
0: yes yeah he's, all the mr men books yeah
1: he's great um there there's just so many richard scary uh the wonderful world of richard scary um and then is it bill martin jr did he mm, i think eric, so with Il- eric carl they've done some books uh those two are great Um, I think Lois Alert did uh, the illustrations in Chicka Chicka Boom Boom for Bill Martin Jr. That was another one that was a fun one because, I mean, he was able to make the alphabet fun through a sort of rhyme song, and uh, I love that. And Lois Alert's pictures in that book was, they're wonderful. I don't know how you make the alphabet look fun and make them animated, but she somehow pulled it off. She must be
0: inspired by um, Sesame Street with the Count. Yep, yep. Mind you, that's numbers, but yes, yep. But yes, Sesame Street—they always have the letter thing, don't they? This week, it's brought to you by the letter, and they always used to make it fun. When I was a kid, I used to watch that when we were uh, when my dad was stationed with the army, and we used to watch. Basically, uh, a lot of American television was streamed over to army base in the army base in Germany. So I'd be watching American television in an American army base. So I'd be there watching every day when I was, um, uh, I think we moved to Germany when I was about six months old and came back when I was about five. So for about four years, I was watching Sesame Street daily. So there you go. So you were learning
1: uh, the American way to pronounce words.
0: Yeah. And then then I went to school in England and had it, kicked out of me you know no nope, that's not how you say it.
1: there's uh, some slight differences
0: and that's why i sound like i do now is because i don't sound like either <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: there you go yeah i sometimes get lost when i'm reading the, uh, some of the british books i just read one i think it was uh yesterday uh, it was called uh the game of stones uh not a very well-known book I, for- I forget the author off the top of my head but a lot of it was uh, she was from uh england and there was a couple of words there that kind of threw me off there. I was like, uh, is she referring to the game or what, is, what is she, what is she talking about?
0: <laughs> that's, I think that's a big problem with a lot of children's authors though, is that when they write books, you've, you've got to remember that you're, you've got to approach it in a way that children can read it essentially and understand what the, what, what it's about to a certain degree. I mean, obviously you're trying to push their learning and get them to learn new words, but at the same time, you've not got to try to push them too far because then it's, it's a difficult thing to try and try and work, which is something that you do pick up on occasionally on your reviews.
1: Yeah. You know, there, there are some books that I've read where it's just, I don't know how a child would ever understand, it to be quite honest. And, uh, Sometimes these, these authors, I think they get too caught up in whether it be the rhymes or a uh, certain word or schemes that they have to set up and they, they, they just don't make any sense. And it, it it's not, it's not like what I was just talking about, whether it be British versus American, it's, I mean, they're just throwing in random words to make it rhyme and it, it's not useful at all. You know, if you can't make it rhyme, don't bother.
0: Yeah. or just do what you know what what we were saying you know with people like you know uh, Dr Seuss and then when I was younger I also read some children's books that were written by I don't know if he's known in America but uh, an entertainer and writer called Spike Milligan who was one of the members of the goons who influenced uh, Monty Python and he wrote books as well and so you've got Milligan and Milliganimals I think they're called I think that's the name of one of his books and so what he does is very Seuss-like where he will make up words, but there's something interesting where you read those words that they've made up that don't really exist, but you know exactly what those words mean. For some reason, you you understand them, and it's that mindset that they've got in there that, that captures children, that makes them able for them to understand what they're reading.
1: Completely agree. Some people just have that talent where they can – make something that if somebody else said it you'd be like what the heck did you just say but they make you understand it perfectly and dr seuss does do that quite well with i don't know if it's through the language behind it or if it's uh the pictures in general and that's a big big thing too when you're doing children's books you got to have the pictures match up with the words and if that's ever a little bit off, that can be quite confusing too. But those kind of people are quite special and they make it all the more fun when you can pick up goofy words or sayings and uh, have everybody
0: understand it. It's great. Well, I suppose in essence, they—you know, we're getting a bit highbrow here. Um, it's it, it harkens back to people like Lewis Carroll when they were writing things like Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass and stories like that where you've got because he used to use a lot of made-up words. So, I mean, as well as that, he wrote, you know, the well-known Jabberwocky. So that's a made-up. And then you've got these strange pictures of, when you, if you read the Jabberwocky, which is a bit bit of a big book, actually, for kids. Uh, But you've got this picture, and as soon as you see that picture, you know what that is. And you're able to say the word, and you know what it is. And you've got uh, poets like um, Lear, as well, who wrote, you know, The Owl and the Pussycat, and things like that where they will make words up. So there's a history of that, especially in children's writing, that dates back hundreds of years.
1: Definitely. It's uh well that's kind of the magic of children's books too. Some of the great ones, even if it is a hundred years ago though, it's still applicable to today. And that's that's how you really know if it's a, a great book, is you can go back and read it and because people weren't using the same um, linguistic styles, no. I guess, back in the 1950s as they are today. And to still be able to use those fun words and have it be applicable, whether it be the moral or just the fun sayings, to today in 2022, I mean, that's quite special.
0: Yeah. I suppose a modern modern writer that I might think of with this sort of thing would be somebody like Julia Donaldson who wrote The Gruffalo. Yep. for instance, you know, which is a made-up monster, but in her writing, you know exactly what she's on about when she says this is a Gruffalo. Yep. So, hey, this is Tim for Bad Counsel. You want some good counsel? Keep listening to the smooth, dulcet tones of Marv on Pods Like Us. <laughs> so, um, can you remember the first book that you read? That
1: I read, uh, I would say the first long book that I ever read, that, that would probably be what I can remember. I can I can remember my favorite book as a child, but the first book that I had chapters and everything was Star Wars Episode I, Anakin's Journal. Okay. And uh, so I was a big fan of Star Wars back in the day, but I mean, it took me six months to read it, but I made it through like all 99 pages. Wow.
0: So, is it better than the film or is the film better than the book?
1: I... I would lean, well, I know a lot of people don't like, uh, episode one. I still don't mind it, even with Jar Jar Binks and all. So I would lean towards the, uh, towards the film for sure on that one. I mean, they even used pictures from, from the film. So it was not the best adaptation.
0: I I used to, uh, in fact, I've still got some in storage. I used to buy books that were adaptations of of films. So I think I've got a book version of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I might even have ET in book form as well. But um, they're interesting because, like you said, you get the little pictures that come from the film as well that are taken from it. That makes it more interesting.
1: Yep. Yeah. And again, like I said, I I, I actually really enjoyed the movie. So to to relive it through words, it was uh, perfect for me. So.
0: But, you know, we're going on a tangent here with this. Um, So Star Wars, when episode one came out, you know, George Lucas famously said that Star Wars is meant to be for young people. It's for kids. So he said that when he wrote and he made the episode one, he was making it with that intention for it to be about kids wasn't making it for the people that had grown up with the original star wars he was making it for that same age range that he made the original star wars for essentially and i think it works and that's why he said that in his opinion the character of jar jar binks works because it is a good character for kids
1: yeah and uh i mean i guess that would make sense i i I don't know when it came out for me i I must have been fourth or fifth grade around around then, maybe, maybe a little younger. And I mean, it definitely captured me. And, you know, I think uh, the whole Jar Jar character, it's a bit controversial, but in 4, 5, and 6, they had that tandem of C-3PO and uh, R2-D2 that was their comedic relief. And I think he needed something or some sort of comedic relief. And that's where he came up with Jar Jar, whether you like it or not. That's what he was going for is, Some comedic relief thrown in there and sometimes it's harder to to do comedy when you're just by yourself though and i think jar jar experienced that yes
0: (laughs) i've experienced that myself (laughs) so what is your what is your favorite book then of all time
1: um the little engine that could was i mean that one i love those pictures uh i like the moral just believe in yourself i think i can so and that that goes back to my first memory of reading with my grandparents they had that book and that's an all-time classic for me that's another reason why I haven't quite touched it yet on my podcast I don't really know how I'd go about critiquing it so it's uh kind of one that I'm a little hands off on right now that might be something down the line where I where I go after but uh right now that's kind of it's up there it's a, a magical one for me it is.
0: And for people listening, he's already given away a spoiler for one of his own episodes as well when he's already described what he thinks of chick was it chicka chicka boom boom.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. yep. That's I, I gave that one away, yeah. That's uh that's another one. That one was up there. I mean it was just so fun for me. That's one of those ones where it kind of gets you in into it as a child where
0: it's just fun to say chicka chicka boom boom. So it is. Even now I like saying it chicka chicka boom boom. Yep. So do you actually have children yourself that you read to, or do you just read to your nephews and nieces? Uh, just nieces and nephews
1: uh, right now. doesn't mean that down the line that that's not in the cards, but uh, right now it's just nieces and nephews. So, I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And we're from the Spy Hards Movie Podcast. That's right. And you are listening to Pods Like Us. The podcast that has a license to thrill.
0: I, I love the show because it's sort of it's bite-sized as well, uh, which fits in with the whole it being a review critique of children's books, because children's books are generally, you know, short stories. So you've got this you've got the timing of the episode perfect, and then what you do is you basically take a different children's book each episode. Uh, occasionally, it'll be one that's written by a celebrity, and they're particular favourites of mine when you critique celebrities' writings. And so, um, and then you basically go through the high, the idea of the story, what happens in the story, and then you, every now and again, you'll stop and you'll critique and you'll you'll question the um, how realistic is this and things like this. You know, how could that actually happen? And you go into the words and whys logically of the ideas of the stories and you you talk about the um, illustrations and the way that they are written as well so so how did you come out with this idea and when did it start
1: um i think for a lot of people uh, a lot of things started kind of during the pandemic when you had a lot of time on your hands yep. uh, i've done a lot of improv uh growing up around chicago and then moving to the city i've been improvising for five or six years now. And then when the pandemic hit, everything kind of shut down. And so I was sitting there trying to find a new medium for myself. I, if you can't be on stage, then uh, what, what do I do? And I didn't just want to go out there with any sort of no theme, no concentration on one thing because of a funny story or a funny picture or only get you so far and one day quite literally i was staring at the wall during the pandemic and uh, my girlfriend's a teacher and uh, she teaches um well she taught second grade at the time and she was uh had to figure out things to get uh it was right when uh the pandemic hit and they shut down school so she had to figure out ways to get in touch with her students and to keep them interested in learning so she came up with the idea to read books to her students. Yeah. And so I was staring at the wall and I saw she had a poster of I forget what it was, it was a children's book. It was about an elephant. I want to say it was like Wally or the Wally the Walleye or something like that. And I'm staring at it and I realized, you know, that look, it looked kinda of like a movie poster or something. And I was like, I'll do I'll do children's books reviews. And what better way to not only, I know I pick on a lot of the authors, but what better way than to pick on myself as well, which I'm a big fan of as doing comedy. I like being able to you know, poke fun at people, but poke fun at myself and always struggling with reading. I thought it was perfect to read and look into children's books. And then it kind of compounded when I was actually talking with my sister and she was reading a book to her son And the moral was they threw a race for the main character and her son looks at her and he goes, mommy, that's not right. And she's like, well, I mean, he didn't, and she tried, she was struggling to try to square, square that circle there. And she was like, well, you know, he was handed a bad hand or this or that. And he's like, yeah, but they still shouldn't have thrown the race. No. And he's a four-year-old looking up at her, like figuring this out. And she goes, you know what? You're right and it's funny because there's a lot of books out there that sometimes the morals just they don't add up and so that really <laughs> added to that and compounded well wait a minute you know like a lot of people think that a children's books it's a couple of lines and and that's it and they think oh anybody can do it and that's not necessarily the case and then that's when you come up with books like that and then you go from there and i mean the book the 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 show has always been constantly evolving which is great um i'm always working on myself but that's when i expanded into the celebrity children's books because they think they can write a children's book or maybe their publicist writes it for them and they think it's just a money grab so it's it's fun and but that's not to knock all celebrities some of them are very good children's books writers but uh some it's like okay you know this is was a one that they probably didn't even write themselves and they threw out there and they're getting a lot of publicity for it. And uh, maybe I should take a look into it. So I don't know if that answers all the question there. I went off on a little tangent. I apologize.
0: Well, I think you hit everything there.
1: But uh, yeah, so it's, it's been an evolving experience for me. I've been learning and uh, you're right uh, to touch back on with the uh, length of the show. I, I do know sometimes I can run a little long, so I apologize, I, I get up close to 10 minutes, but I also know since I'm, I'm not a celebrity myself, uh, people are only gonna wanna hear so much of me. So I try to keep it as short uh, and sweet as possible so they can you know get a few jokes, get a few laughs, and see uh, through my summaries if they actually wanna get the book for their children or if they're just reminiscing on an old book that they might've liked. And uh, want to see if it was really what they, they thought it was. Because that experience actually happened to me during one review. Okay. Um, with the rainbow fish, actually. I uh, I love that book for the pictures. The pictures are the best. They're sparkly. They capture the eye. It's it's fantastic. But then you go back and you read it and you read the moral and you're like, what the heck's going on here? This whole time I loved this as a child. And uh, the moral is just to some people is a little off and so it's uh it's interesting to go back and check that out and so if you're a listener and you don't ha- you don't need children for this this podcast you yeah. can just kind of reminisce on old books and or new books that are are coming out so
0: well i mean that's 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 one of the reasons why i approached you in a way is because you know i mean i I've, I was fascinated in in reading it because I, I, we actually do have a few children's books. You know, we've got a couple of you know, like I said, Julia Donaldson books and and all sorts here, and we haven't got any children, but the great books. Yep. And so, um, so I thought you know, for the general person, it'd be interesting to li- listen to. It's interesting to listen to your show, but also for parents as well who are after something for their children. It's an interesting show for them to listen to. Where they can listen and think, oh, perhaps, perhaps we'll get that one for our kid, our child, ourselves, for us, uh, for, you know. Or they might, they might decide not to because they might think there's something a bit dodgy about the the moral of it. Because when you said about the moral of it, it reminded me of uh, Have you seen the film Elf? I have, yeah. With Will Ferrell, when the the father, the dad character, uh, James Carn, towards the beginning or whatever, when he's having the meeting and the And and they moan about it, or you know, what's what's this at the back here? You know, these these blank pages, and he's saying, Well, we we couldn't afford that. What does it matter? Because kids won't know anyway, they only look at the pictures. And that's almost a really good explanation of in truth, there's a bit of truth to it, but there's also not as well, because some of these things that you you pull up, like that's a brilliant story about the four-year-old that picked up on that about that book. Because sometimes as kids, I mean, I've done it myself when I was a kid. I think I remember I, I read or I saw something and I'm like, hold on a moment. What's that all about? And it doesn't always make sense. Or sometimes some of the stories, like you said, are morally questionable. Yep. Yep.
1: That's the issue with children's books is, I mean, there's so many, of there's a ridiculous amount out there, but, uh, and that's what goes back to what I was saying is, is some of the, some people you so you might like them because the picture looks good and everything. But then when you actually go to read them yourself, you go, them, hold, hold on a minute. there's not something right here." And that's part of the the show is is you know you can you can go in and check it out before, because you know, online, a lot of people will just throw a four star rating, five star rating on something and you'll go okay everybody seems to love this one so i'll pick it up but a lot of times it's not it's not the case and uh you need to do, sometimes you need to do your research especially if you're reading it to a child uh they're they're like sponges but you can do some research for yourself too like i was saying like and like you were saying you have children's books of for yourself and a lot of them are great they they really are and i mean they even capture the imagination of myself. I can, I, luckily I thought, I thought I would get sick of reading so many children's books. Now I've only grown to love more and more of them because they're just, there's so many of them that are actually good out there though, to contradict what what I was saying though a little bit is there's so many good ones out there as well.
0: Yeah. When some authors catch uh, what I call that magic, then they catch it really well. And it's, it's there through the whole of a book if they get it if they get it right and it is a mm-hmm. sort of magic as well. Yep. So, how do you record and then edit the show?
1: Um, so I use this mic I've got right here, and uh, because I, it's a daily uh, podcast, you know, sometimes I'm on the run, so I I have to set. I'll bring this thing in a backpack or whatever, and sometimes I have to set up and not so great uh locations as far as recording there'll be a little bit of an echo here or there but that just means more uh editing for me on the back end um but again with it being a five minute episode and everything that's what kind of makes it nice i can just kind of set up where i need to be and uh, i can go about my daily business and then set it up in somebody's closet or wherever so uh what I do, I just drag my recording equipment everywhere. Um, never thought I'd be doing that, but I am. So it's just about every day I'm dragging it somewhere. Um, and then as far as recording, I, I, I'm i lucky enough to use uh, the uh, Adobe uh, Audition. Yep. And uh, I have no editing background whatsoever. So if anybody catches something, feel free to let me know. But I uh, I'm all self-taught. I taught myself how to edit uh, actually through the pandemic when uh, a buddy of mine and I decided to make a web series as well. So <laughs> I taught myself off of that. And that's how I started to learn the Adobe. And then I uh, applied it to this. And I learned, learned how to lower some of the reverb out of it and uh, chop up some of the bad areas if I'm stumbling all over the place or something. I want it to be clean for the reader. Uh, I want people to be able to get through it rather quickly. So I don't think they need to be waiting on uh, me to catch a breath or something like that. So I might edit that out as well. So editing actually for me is on a uh, five to 10 minute uh, show is, is a little longer than you might expect. It, it can be up to two hours because I just want it to be perfect
0: this is dave of
1: live life loud the Decibolic podcast and you're listening to pods like us with
0: marv okay and then um you've got you know you've got a great package all together i mean with with how you record it and then the editing that you do and then the music as well and that fantastic logo that's there on 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 your baseball cap i mean it's it's a whole package. So, I mean, but how did the music come about and the, the logo? Was that, was that something that you came up with straight away or was it long and drawn out?
1: It's, it's all been a process quite, uh, really. Uh, so the music again, I, I kind of had, I've known about, uh, some, uh, what royalty free music that I used in my web series and, um, so i wanted this to be fairly npr style it's a i want it to be comical and uh so i feel like the music i found it was a royalty free music but it it, quite honestly as soon as i found it i felt like it fit perfectly for it it uh really adds in that serious tone when it's really not a, a serious thing at all and uh so i i did i did a lot of searching with that 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 was a relatively quick on the scale of things. That only took me a couple of days to kind of put that one together. But the uh, logo itself that that was uh, more than a that was uh, quite a, a while to figure out. I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know exactly how to get there. So I didn't know if it should be something real, uh, whether it be a real picture of a pot on a stove with a cooked goose or a real picture of a pot on a stove with a cartoon or however you go about it. So I was taking pictures, doing things, playing around with it, trying to send it to people who are better than myself at editing, seeing if they could come up with something. And um, eventually I uh, told my girlfriend about it. I was like, I kind of want this cartoony goose. I showed her something on clip art that I was screwing around with. and. uh she spent all day figuring out how to draw something and then upload it to Photoshop or whatever. Uh, I believe it was Photoshop. And uh, she somehow came up with the, after my direction, she came up with the whole entire drawing. And I, it, as soon as she showed me that I was like, this is perfect. This That's exactly what it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was the title as well. This goose is cooked. Is, was that, straightforward or was that a long drawn out process as well
1: that was more straightforward that might have been the most straightforward out of everything okay uh i i like to think sometimes i can come up with one-liners and things like that and uh as as soon as i came up with the idea i was like there's got to be a good name for this mother goose this goose is cooked and roasting people so it it all kind of came together and you kind of take Fifteen minutes of brainstorming, throwing things out there, and you come up with it. And I thought that's what it's got to be.
0: Yeah, and the, and the goose is perfect because all you need now is for 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 uh, it it it's along similar lines to you know the classics like the Bugs Bunny. You'll expect him to come from behind, come around. It's that sort of cartoony humor behind the picture as well.
1: Yep, and uh, that's a that's exactly what I'm going for there. It, and after living with it for uh, close to a year now, it's just, it gets better the more I look at it, because you're right, the cartooniness, I don't know why I was ever thinking of doing something real when that fits perfectly with the children's books and the illustrations.
0: Yeah, because it looks like a children's book illustration as well. Mm-hmm. One of the better ones, should we say?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Spoiler warning, he does, he does mention quite a few bad illustrations in some of the books. That's some of the
1: it's just as good as or it's just as important as the writing. So it needs to be needs
0: to be mentioned. It does. I mean, at a certain age, you're going in for it for both the story, but more for for the for the story, but more for the pictures as well to tell the story to you. So you need those pictures to look like they're supposed to look. You know, if you're talking about a horse, you want something that looks like a horse, not that it looks like a giraffe.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So what would you say then? I mean you've you've already mentioned your favorite, but we'll we'll you can do that one again if you want to. What would you say then? Are your f- five favorite children's books? Okay, well you
1: would have to include that one, the uh little engine that could. But um you know, I, I'll throw in a one that I didn't grow up on that I actually reviewed and I thought it was just an instant classic it's called this is not my hat and the illustrations everything about it it's quite comical it's about a fish who stole a hat from a bigger fish and uh i mean it takes you on one heck of a a ride and it's i mean it had me laughing from start to finish as well so That has to be an instant classic for me. If you haven't heard of that one, which I certainly didn't until I looked it up, it's called This Is Not My Hat, and it's great. I highly recommend it. Um, There's so many different books out there that I would say I grew up on uh, Goodnight Moon. That was a great one. That that Mm -hmm. has to be up there. Uh, That author did The Runaway Bunny, which was also another classic um dr seuss i mean he's got some great ones green eggs and ham Damn. that's uh great we talked. we talked uh touched on richard hargreaves i think those books the simple illustrations and the fa- fact that he was able to do so many of those books and every single one of them is really entertaining is uh, quite a talent um Trying to think, the Polar Express has. I mean, the pictures in that are great. Yeah. Not a big fan of the movie, no. but the uh, pictures in that one are are uh, fantastic. I feel like I'm missing a couple here. There was a, another train book that I loved. I, it was uh, like the Runaway Train. It was about a train that left the tracks. Uh, that that's another old old book. Um, Scuffy the tugboat. Yeah, I uh, saw saw that one. That was a good one. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on yet yeah, with chicka, chicka, boom, boom, the very hungry caterpillar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eric Carl, that his illustrations are fantastic. Um, I think that covers it. I don't know if it, I don't know if I could put any in a top five order there for you. I, if you, if you push me, I, I can try, but,
0: uh, well, we already I, know what your number one is. Yep. Yep very useful engine but that uh I mean the very younger caterpillar I mean that's that is a classic children's book I mean I, I remember that from from back in the 70s when I was in, in school so you know and um, it's still it's like I said you know it's one of these books where it's got that magic to it that is just so special and if you hit it then it's there, there for life. I think it's a book that anybody that's read it when they were a child, even into their adult years, it's a book that they'll remember back. They'll remember fondly from from back then.
1: Exactly. I mean, but not only with the writing, with his illustrations. I know he did it. In, it those are just that's his style, and it's it's a great style. I mean, I don't know if anybody else could pull that off. It's got this like paper mache look and when you when you do something that different and you're able to pull it off it really makes the book quite special and that's that's what i harp on as well there's there's so many books that use just the computer animated drawings and expect you to go okay well this, the story's okay so you should like it but he's a real artist when he puts it all together like that and there's i i think i touched on lois alert too she's Another great artist when it comes to the drawings, Doctor Seuss, and when you can put all that together with a great storyline, it's yeah, it's perfect.
0: I mean, I have I have fond fond memories thinking back now to reading. I don't know if you know this book, um, Fungus the Bogeyman, uh, which was by Raymond Briggs, and that's that's a really he's the person who wrote the Snowman, Raymond Briggs. He wrote the Snowman okay. that that's based on. But that—that's brilliant. Where there's just like these these monsters that that you know, because of course you know they're called bogeymen or boogeymen or whatever, and um, and it's all about the life that you don't see. It's so much fun in the pictures as well. Put the story across brilliantly. You know, you got the—they look exactly like you'd think bogeymen look, but more funny and humorous take on it. Instead, you know, instead of it being really scary, the sort of a funny version of that. So I remember that. Um, Oh, what else was I remembering then? I don't know. I remembered something else then as well. Oh yes, Roger Argreaves as well. He's another one who, exactly like you were saying, with those Mister Men books and the little Miss books as well. He he was also drawing his own. He was doing his own artwork as well, and it's that sort of and I think Beatrix Potter didn't she do something similar when she used to do her own drawings or something as well? And there's something interesting when all these people are full on and they've done it all themselves because it adds to the magic of that book that they've got that sort of talent that can put these relatively simple ish pictures in there but it adds to the whole feel of the story
1: that's very true and going on with roger hargreaves the fact that he's able to take such simplistic drawings but still make them so inviting to the eye like That that's the talent in and of itself too. It's you. you, Some of these artists, I think, believe they have to reinvent the wheel or go to extreme detail or this or that. You you don't necessarily have to do that, and he proves that point perfectly. They're just simple characters. They're basically a circle with some color, and it's perfect. It, It really is, and you see you get to see them interact with their world.
0: Mr. Tickle has incredibly long arms. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they're wrapping around doors. You know, so you know who who he is. Mr. Happy, he's yellow with a smile. Uh, Mr. Grumpy, he's got a not a smile. Um, he, and Mr. Bump's got all these um, like bandages on him and it, it tells everything. Mr. Daydream looks like a cloud that walks. There yep. you go. And that's all you need. That's all you need.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Chris from the podcast Real Film Reviewed, and you're listening to Marv on Pods Like Us.
0: So, what advice would you give to people if they wanted to start a podcast themselves?
1: Uh, Adapt, always learn. Um, You know, when you see other podcasters doing things, there's sometimes you say, oh, well, I don't want to do that, or I want to do it my own way. And sometimes the reason 99% of other podcasters are doing something, it's because that's how you're supposed to do it. And I've kind of quickly learned that, um, especially for myself. I, I never really reached out to anybody about my podcast. I never, I asked for likes or ratings or this or that. And I'm quickly learning about a year in now. It's, uh, it's difficult. You know, you've, you've got to be a salesman for yourself and you can't be afraid of uh, what you're doing or afraid of other people. You have to go out there and, and sell yourself and sell your podcast. And that's, was my mistake from the get go is I thought it would be just, Oh, okay. You you put it out there and it gradually explodes. And not to say that I it hasn't taken off, which is, I mean, I've been, it's been, a wonderful ride being able to see people from germany and around the world listening in which is yeah. fantastic to see but it's just you don't realize that a simple okay hey if you could give me a rating or if you could do this uh or reaching out to people and and talking about your podcast that's how you get it out there that's how you really sell it and that's how you get more listeners because after a certain point it's not those Listeners really aren't going to just keep showing up if you're not selling to them or showing them different products or different things uh, that they can experience with, with your podcast, which is, I mean, another reason why my podcast, I've got so many different things on the back burner here trying to really expand it and get it out to
0: everybody so they can experience it. I forgot to ask, actually, do you record your shows well in advance or do you do it day by day?
1: Uh, I do it day by day. And that was another reason why I did it. I know I, I should have touched on that a little bit too, but uh, going through Chicago and doing all the comedy schools and, and things there, they're always harping on you. You gotta be writing comedy every day. yeah. And so that was another big selling point to myself with this is most people say, Hey, I'm going to try to write comedy every day. Nobody ever gets around to doing it. So Forcing myself with a podcast to actually sit down and write comedy every day, that was the big reason to do this for myself. Is, and I do. And now I, I sit down every day and I, I, I spend an hour, two hours writing. Some of it gets tossed out. Some of it, sometimes I have writer's block. But that's the big thing with the show is, you know, I don't, I, I don't read a book and then spend a whole week on it. And uh, I think that's what some pe- what uh, needs to be understood, I guess, by everyone as well, is this is off-the-cuff writing that day, and it's out there. And uh, I think that's what makes part of it a lot of fun, too, is, okay, well, he read this book today, and he's coming out with it, and this is what he thinks. He might be wrong, or he might regret what he put out, <laughs> uh, but that's what he thought of at that time. And uh, so that's what I do is, yeah.
0: That's, that's great because then you, there's an immediacy to it and it's, it's there at that point And you've got the, it's not like you've had time to work on what you're going to say. It is there at that point. And it, it, is, it is very much like um, thinking about it. It's very much like improv, just going there and doing it on the spot
1: yeah exactly exactly so it's it's a lot like improv and it's a lot like um stand up you know it's it's my five minute open mic i'm trying out jokes some of them are going to really hit some might not (laughs) some might not be for you but uh i'm i'm out there and uh it's i'm throwing them out there and uh if i hope everybody really enjoys them to be quite honest
0: Well, that's funny to know because, uh, or or, strange thing, because normally on my list, in my listening, you, your show will be straight after I've listened to that days or one of the days uh, daily dad jokes podcast. I don't know if you know that one and it's about five minutes of dad jokes.
1: Oh, that's great. I've not heard of that one. That's, that's a a good one too. I'm going to have to tune into that.
0: That's a great idea. It five minutes of jokes and that it's it's a um it's an automated voice as well it's a voice that's created by the person He's is a, a giving something away here, but he's a, he's a future guest in in a few episodes time but uh but yeah so he's created this um ai uh so he, he uses the ai to tell the jokes technically and it, it, his ai also does a daily quiz that's about five minutes as well
1: that's great. That's a a great idea. And see, there's another a good example of. I mean, whether he thinks he's a comedian or not, that's a great way to test out jokes. And that's what I would recommend to a lot of comedians out there. You know, I, I I find at least when I was around a lot of Chicago comedians, they didn't really put themselves out there. It would be on you'd be on stage for a night, and that would be about it. And the podcasting world really provides you a whole new medium where, you know, you don't need to be. I mean, although it's a great thing, but if you know you can't make the open mic at midnight on a Wednesday, it's great to get your jokes out there uh through a podcast and you they don't have to be an hour and a half long or what have you. It's just like that dad's jokes about five minutes, and uh you're good
0: that's great so ooh, what are the li what other podcasts do you actually listen to then?
1: oh um that's a good good question uh there i'm a car guy so uh tfl i think it's called yeah tfl now they have a podcast that's a big one i i listen to and then a lot of the podcasts i'll listen to are just uh, like reruns of radio shows sports shows and things like that um yeah i mean there's so much out there though it's it's kind of hard to choose from sometimes yeah uh, but I'll tune into one you know I'll tune into random shows here or there I mean my girlfriend even got me into the bible in uh a, a year podcast i i uh fell off of that though I feel bad that's that's one that kind of makes you feel guilty you know <laughs> you listen to it for 20 twenty days or whatever and then you're like oh jeez just met, uh, just missed the last week um well, but, eventually
0: you get to some good bits.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it is crazy. I didn't, like the start is just all about, I mean, incest and all sorts of different things. So it's, it's wild. You don't it's, really realize that that's in the Bible. Some good pictures in some of the Bibles though. Oh, Yeah.
0: That's my first memory of Bible. Actually, is the old children's Bibles that you used to have with pictures in, and they used to write it in a way that was supposed to be for children. And even then, you'd be reading that, and as a young kid, and you'd be thinking, "I have no idea what that word means." Yep. No, I, st- I st- that still comes comes
1: to me half the time.
0: <laughs> so, where can people? find you and find the show and uh, get hold of you
1: um i would say instagram it's uh this goose is cooked um spaces in between the writing or in, in between each word this goose is cooked uh that's a great spot to find me you can always uh direct message me uh, or leave a comment somewhere you can all you can always find me on apple podcast if you, if you want to if you have a book you want me to review, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, just uh, drop it in either Instagram, Apple Podcast. Just learn that Spotify has uh, ratings and reviews, and you can drop them there, too, as well. You can find me on Spot- Spotify. Um, I'm on just about every podcast uh, platform there is, so I know a lot of my listeners like to listen in on Pandora as well, but uh, you name it, Amazon Music. Uh, I'm there so you can check me out there like I kind of referenced earlier I'm going to start hold on here in the next month or so if we can get everything up and running Uh, I'm going to start adding some videos and things so uh, I do have a YouTube channel you can check me out there Instagram we're going to I'm going to try to uh, shorten the video or shorten the podcast to even shorter lengths uh, give you an even briefer uh, review of maybe a quote in the review and have it as a video on uh, Instagram and uh, YouTube. So that's uh, the next goal is to get that out there, uh, provide the listeners more content.
0: Well, the uh, Instagram thing and the video uh, clips, you, you could just do what you've what been doing, what you do at the beginning now, which you started to do, which is like the little teaser that you have at the beginning of your show now. You could just have like a teaser of what to expect from the episode each day and then each day that you put an episode out just put that out as a teaser for people so that they have a have an idea of what your show is about that day yep i'm uh
1: playing around with a lot of different uh things i you know i you figure out a lot of people they want shorter and shorter and shorter so I mean, if you can get it down to 15 seconds and have it be funny, that's—I mean—that's the goal almost. Uh, but uh, so I'm playing around. You're right. Uh, teaser would be one. Uh, maybe just a quote. Maybe a quick review. Yep. Um, but I'm gonna try to get some shorter content out there, and uh, hopefully it'll be up and running here in the next month or so. But yeah, I've been playing around, experimenting with that, uh, just to provide. Uh, a, a more visual, so people can see me as well too. I think uh, that's always great when people can c- kind of connect with uh, the host. Absolutely.
0: Anyway, you can find me on any streaming network. Um, you know, just like like Davies just said, you know, uh, Spotify, in uh, i Apple Music, it's called now. Deezer, Pandora, High Art Radio. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and tiktok just by looking up pods like us and you can contact me through pods like us at gmail.com anyway thank you very much for speaking with me today david thank you marv really appreciate it thank you it's been fun great yeah been i looking forward fun. to this and thank you everyone for listening and I hope you're listening again to another episode of pods like us Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. And this time I am joined by the filmmaker, Matthew Zaytoon. Hello, Matthew. How are you? What's going on, world? How you doing, England? Buh, 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 buh. <laughs> you know that's going to have to be the introduction to your podcast now. Buh, 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 buh. That's, that's, uh, that's going to be my ad-lib. Yeah, stay tuned in the afternoon. For, for, forever. I actually have a trademark already. My, my lawyers are on it. Yeah. But it's always the afternoon somewhere. It's always the afternoon somewhere, as you can see.
1: This, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Modello. Um,